Okay. Okay. Good evening. Today is Wednesday, January 11th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is A Vision for You, and our speaker tonight is Miriam. Thank you, Miriam. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Eileen, uh, for asking me to speak. Um, so my name is Miriam. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I've been in program since uh, February of 2001, and um, I'm coming up on seven years of abstinence. And just to briefly speak a little bit about that, what that represents for me is really getting honest with my food and um, really looking at those alcoholic foods that I really cannot eat no matter what. Just like the alcoholic does not drink alcohol, I have alcoholic foods that I don't eat no matter what. And I fought that. That's the honest truth. In the beginning, um, I fought those. Uh, maybe I had one or two foods that I just knew those ones I were going to take me down. But um, I wanted to be one of those types of uh, compulsive overeaters that could eat all things more moderately. But hats off to those who can do that, but that was not my experience. So um, I uh, got honest and it took me a little while to uh, stick with that. Identifying the foods was very easy. And I am here to say that um, the list got longer as my fear diminished. And I got to really see, okay, I didn't die when I didn't have this item. And people just look at me and they're like, you never eat that? I'm like, yeah, I never eat that. And I don't really miss it. Like I still bake when I'm having company. I mean, I used to bake and, you know, have and eat a ton of that cookie dough as I was making the cookies. I make cookies all the time. My hand, it doesn't even occur to me to eat that anymore. Um, so that's really what happened. And I'm really thankful for um, what I heard in one of my meetings, which was, which gave me the courage to start my abstinence over again, um, which was hearing a few people. I haven't heard it. I never heard it before. And I haven't heard it since. A few people got up there and talked about their abstinence and how they were starting over. And um, one person in particular, really, it just resonated so much with me, which was about um, how I'm, um, you know, my food's getting wonky and then I'm technically abstinent. And then she says, and then it was just basically a BS abstinence. And when she said that, I was like, oh my gosh. And the other part was that I go to the Sunday 7.30 a.m. meeting. And it's the only meeting at least that I've been to where they read the world service definition of abstinence, which is the action of refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight. And, um, I wasn't really fitting into that description of abstinence, that definition, not description, the definition of abstinence. I was not working towards nor maintaining a healthy body weight. I had gained weight and I kept thinking, yeah, I'll just keep doing the same thing that I'm doing. And somehow 
poof, miraculously, this weight is going to drop off. And when I, and each week I would hear that abstinence definition and it was like poking at me and poking at me. And then when those few people got up, like in succession, people, you know, taking chips or whatever, like that they are saying they're starting over. That was like, that was like the final, the straw that broke the camel's back. Okay. If they can do it, I can do it which to me is like a perfect segue into chapter 11, A Vision for You. And the part that really always jumps out at me um, here is um, this question, these questions, you know, shall I be stupid, boring, and glum? And um, I know I must get along without liquor, but how can I? Have you a sufficient substitute? I love that question. Yes, the book answers. There is a substitute and it is vastly more than that. It is a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous. There you will find- Mental reminder, five minutes. Thank you. There you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. So this is the part where, you know, and right before that, it says he cannot picture life without alcohol. Someday he will be unable to imagine life either with alcohol or without it. And this is what I learned in the 12 step uh, program is choices. I have choices. I never really realize. I mean, I understand I have the choice to put on a black shirt or a pink shirt, but in terms of like these kind of things, this is, and it says here, then he will know loneliness such as few do. He will be at the jumping off place. That's where my choices begin. And then it it goes on to say, you know, uh, how am I going to get along without food? Do you have a sufficient substitute? And it says it really clearly there. That's the fellowship. That's what all of you people are. This is this fellowship that we talk about here. And then it, it goes on. And, you know, I want to do things myself. I have the best ideas. Uh, the My way is is the right way. And I get called out on that so often by my sponsor, gently, but very firmly. Miriam, you have a way. Miriam, you (laughs) don't surrender. (laughs) And just to get current. So I have this thing uh, going on with one of my sons. And I know that I am not the best parent to be involved in this situation. But I want to be. And I get to ask my husband um, to please take this over because this is not going to be, this isn't going to go down well. And I know that. And oh my God, I want to take it back. I want to take it back. I want to manage my husband. Did you speak to our son? Did you speak to the contractor? Did you speak to this person? What's happening? And that's the thing my sponsor reminds me. Uh, Yep, Miriam, there goes your obsessive thinking again. You have a way. And it's, and it's, you know, and I get brought back to, it's my, my way. It's selfishness. 
I've been directed to pages 60 to 63 here in the big book that tell me what my problem is. Selfish and self-centered, that is the root of our problem. And, you know, that is, that's it. And I want to take it back. And, you know, so I don't take it back, but I just do dumb things. And I'm here to out myself because I tried to make um, a call. I can't even say a couple calls because like it was getting close to the meeting time. And my husband had said, oh, so our son sent, sent me this quote. Do you want to see the quote? And my initial correct response was, no, I don't think that will be a good idea for me to see that. But then, of course, the my way Miriam chimes in and says, oh, yeah, honey, maybe you should send me that quote. And you know what? God showed me very clearly why I would have been better off not seeing that quote, because there was something in there that was just upsetting to me. I had done work. And as part of their quote, they have this portion where they're ripping everything out. And you know what? That's God's reminder to me. It's not your business, Miriam. Stay out of things that aren't your flipping business. Nope. I just had to get in there. I had to get in there and I had to know. And that's that part where fellowship comes in, where fellowship comes in. And I am here to say, I would love to say that I am one of those people that makes three calls a day. I don't even make one call a day. I want to make one call a day. And, and I'm reminded that that's the part that keeps me um, in my will. Because when I go and I um, talk to someone else, they talk me off the ledge. And what I find here in OA is nobody's telling me what to do. No one's giving me advice. What are under 10 minutes? Thank you. What are they doing? They're bringing me back, at least the people that I want to talk to. They're bringing me back to the steps and my higher power. That's, and as a sponsor, that's all I've got. That's all that I have got to give to my sponsees and to any fellow that calls me. And that's what we're talking about here in this fellowship. And then it just goes on and on and on about the stories of what Bill did and then how he met with Bob. I mean, we, you know, that, that famous story that he's there at the, uh, He's at his jumping off place. This is a perfect description of the jumping off place that was referred to over here on page 152 originally. He will be at the jumping off place. And then it's very clear that Bill is at that jumping off place. He had a business deal, didn't go too well. And there he was. He had the decision. Is he going to go into the bar or is he going to uh, work with another alcoholic. And, uh, you know, I love that description. Perhaps he could handle, say, three drinks. And I love it when my sponsor calls me out on, like, I can, I can handle, I can figure it out. Like, I get called out on that. 
Yeah, Miriam. Any sentence that starts with I can, mm, yeah, that's not going to go so well. And that really has been my experience. Here it was. I mean, I like to give specific examples. And this is this whole thing. Now, when my son originally called me, this is something that I've learned from you people is scripts a little bit of things that I can say, because I had a lot of ideas that I wanted to tell my son with his ask, which was for money. And um, I got to just say, you know, let me get back to you on that. And immediately call my husband and say, I'm out. And, you know, that's, that's the thing because in the olden days, I would have, I would have made wreckage. I would have just made wreckage. And so I don't do this so perfectly and it's bumpy and maybe not even so graceful. Like I said, you know, I needed to look at that quote and like, no, I really, that wasn't helpful. So this is this whole part. Here he was at his jumping off place. And uh, it says he was on thin ice. Um, again, it was the old insidious insanity, that first drink. And here was his choice. He walked down to the, the lobby, to the church directory, and he called some cler a clergyman to find other alcoholics. And, you know, we don't do it exactly like that. But we all have our jumping off points, our jumping off places. And the thing is, I'm here to say, if I try to figure the thing out myself, that's towards that's going down the road to the food, guaranteed. The jumping off place gets me to my higher power. And I would love to say that I am so evolved that I go straight to my higher power every time I have a thing. But that's not my experience. That's not my truth. My truth is I need to call someone else. And the, the beauty of being in program for a while is that I don't need to, um, I don't need to go on and on and on about the story. My very first sponsor said to me right from the start, the content changes, the process is the same. So I don't need, I don't need a matchy match sponsor. I don't need someone who has had all the same experiences as me. I need someone who works a good program with their steps and has a good working relationship with their higher power and has a good daily spiritual practice that they can show me and teach me and be there every time with that reminder. Oh, there's your obsessive thinking. How about if you surrender? And, you know, this is, this is this whole, um, this is this whole part. And, you know, then it goes on. Then he meets Bill, uh, he meets Dr. Bob and um, he's able to share what he learned from Ebby, he got the spiritual part from the Oxford group. And then from Dr. Silkworth, he got the physical and mental portion, the allergy of the body. That's 15 minutes. Great. Thank you, man. This time flies. And, um, and he got from Dr. Silkworth, he got the physical, the allergy of the body and the uh, mental part, the obsession of the mind. And from, and then from the Oxford group, he got the uh, 
spiritual nature. And that's what he passed on to Dr. Bob. And then that's what they passed on to the, you know, that we've got a corker. I love that. I don't even know what the heck that word means, but it's like such a great description for someone who is in the hospital for alcoholism. And this is like this whole chapter just keeps going through one fellow building their fellowship. And that's what we do. And, you know, that's what my sponsor said to me, Miriam, who are your heavy hitters that you will actually listen to? Not people that are going to just support you, but the people who are going to tell it to you the way it is. You need to find those people and build that. And I, I have to be honest, I fight that. I fight that. But as it said here, do you have a substitute for alcohol or food? Yes. What is it? The fellowship. Am I going to tap into it? That's my choice. That is my choice. And, and what is it that we're doing in this fellowship over here on 157? It says the two friends told him, the third guy, about their drinking experiences. So what is it that I'm going to do? I'm not sharing a specific content I'm sharing how do I use the steps to help this situation? What step sounds like the appropriate step to work? And, you know, that's it. Is it a step one issue? Is it a step three issue? Is it six and seven? You know, what, what is it on a daily basis? You know, step 10, that's the whole thing. And in sharing our experience comes that identification where the guy says, that's me, that's me, I drink like that. That's what I want to hear on the other end. That's that fellowship we're talking about. Yes, I get it. And here's what I do. I understand your fear. That's it. I'm, I'm not going to be spending so much time. I have resentment around this whole situation with my son. I'm going to call that out. It's you know, a minute on the problem, two on the solution. That's the whole idea. I don't need to go on and on and on about the problem. Two sentences so they know what we're talking about and then get into it. Basically, what is the defective character? Is it fear? Is it resentment? That That's basically, it falls into those categories with all their subsets. And that's it. And I'm, they're going to identify and say, hey, Miriam, it sounds to me like, you know, step six and seven might be in order. Oh, my God, Miriam, you made a ton of wreckage. Step, you know, eight and nine. That's the whole thing. Oh, Miriam, it sounds like you took your will back. How about some step three? That's that's what we're sharing our experience and identifying. And that's the whole thing. And, and then we tell, that's the whole thing, that problem and solution, that whole description of what he, of what they were saying, uh, you know, the acute poisoning was, the man was told of the acute poisoning from which he suffered, how it deteriorates the body of an alcoholic and warps his mind. And that's, that's the whole thing. And then was told, what is the solution? And this is what you're telling me. You're telling me your spiritual experience and the course of action. You're not giving me any advice. So, you know, this is just pages and pages and pages of how they built that fellowship. And for me, this is a really good reminder of what am I actively doing 
speaking to myself, to build my fellowship, my people, my heavy hitters, as my sponsor calls them, the people that I will call and will, and will share the spiritual solution of their spiritual uh, experience and the course of action that they took. And, um, you know, that's really the whole thing for me that, you know, and back to that whole part, will we be, what did it say? Will we be stupid, boring, and what was that? Gentle reminder, 20 minutes. Okay. Very good. And that's it. I have choices and fellowship is that substitute for the food. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Miriam. That was wonderful. Thanks so much. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, uh, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you would like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone, and Liz will uh, call on the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Um, with the timekeeper, please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. Thank you. And if Miriam is asked a question, uh, please also allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, let's see. So first we have Emily. Hi, everyone. Uh, Emily B., Compulsive Reader. Miriam, that was phenomenal. I'm so glad that was recorded. Um, you just kept it on the facts. Like, I love that. I'm really good about doing that in business, but you know, in my story time, sometimes I'm like, oh, and uh, I'm just, I just loved it. Like it was just, yeah. Which step am I going? How do I work through this? Because I'm finally getting to that place of, I don't need to be validated anymore. I don't need to be the victim. I just want to be over it. Like, how do I get to the other side? So anyways, my question for you is like the, the stuff about your son was such a great example. Like I appreciate that you turned it over to your husband, but how do you get out of the resentment? I'm doing a lot of step tens right now and I'm just still just in it. Um, do you have any feedback on how you work that, that you can let, like really let that stuff go? So for me, I found that what's helpful is I have to talk about it and not to my son. That's another thing I learned in OA is that um, I have to really be careful on who the person is and I'm discussing it with because it used to be that I had a fear or resentment and then I would have the conversation with that person that is not the that's my experience that is not the appropriate person to be having that conversation with and certainly not while I'm in that resentment or fear because I'm going to make wreckage so what I do is this is like right on point with this. I've got to call my heavy hitters and it's okay. I have to keep talking about it. And at some point it does start to dissipate. Like what's coming to my mind is that part um, in the OA 12 and 12, it's actually on the eighth step where if there's a whole section on instructions for forgiving another person. I highly recommend that section. Um, 
because it talks about how we're, we're told to forgive, but we're never taught how to forgive. And it talks about how basically it's, there's three things to do there. One is to write it down. And the part that I love in that is, is that they say it, it, then you have a beginning and an end. Like the thing is only so big for me when it's in, when I leave it in my head, it just gets bigger. It's like the runaway snowball. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But when I write it or, and, or speak to someone else, writing in particular really does help me. I, I don't always want to do it, but the, the book is really clear on that, how it really has a beginning and an end. It's only so big. And the truth is, when I talk to someone, they're not going to listen to me for three hours. That also has a beginning and an end. So it's really about going through that and talking to other people, because at a certain point, I actually sound ridiculous. Like when I fessed up to my friend that I looked at that quote and I pissed myself off by looking at that, I should never have had that in my possession. So those are the things. After I say it, I see, as it says here in, in that section, you know, I... I manufacture my own misery. I did that to myself. So that's the whole thing. Knowing who is the right audience for that resentment, not the person I'm resentful at, and writing and um, talking to somebody else, somebody's. Gentle because, reminder. Thank you. Because it may not just be one time. Like on big resentments, I got to talk several times. And I hope that is helpful. Thank you, Emily, for the question and Miriam for that awesome answer. Who is next? We've got about 10 minutes. Amy. Hi, everyone. Amy in California. Grateful, compulsive eater, exercise, bulimic, anorexic, well, restrictor. And thank you. Thank you, Miriam. I put in the chat that I, I really appreciated your honesty and, and the whole thing about taking back your will with your son. Um, even though, you know, I know with myself, there's always like a gut feeling, oh, like it says in one of the stories in the big book, I had a, it was not such a smart feeling, or I had a, you know, I don't know if it was um, Jim, not, or the other guy, Fred, yeah, I have that feeling, that instinct, oh, not so good, but I wanted to ask you something, um, you know, I know it says in the big book that it uses the word craving for liquor, and then it uses we crave the fellowship, and you talked a lot about that, that we we feel that, you know, that in a sense that 
void or need for connection with fellowship. And, and I definitely experienced that. Um, I would say my, my default though, is to want to just connect to my higher power. And I, I, I have to be honest that I do often do that. I, but what I find is the, the really big things that I am in experiencing that painful bondage of self that I do need to bring the fellowship in that that I need to hear it from a fellow and so I just was wondering about that because I, I heard you say well I I have to admit I don't make calls all the time and I imagine sometimes you are just talking to your higher power whatever that is or I shouldn't say I imagine that's what I do but it's kind of a slippery slope when I only do that because I'm an isolator and I really believe my God wants me to join the human race. So I just would love to, to hear from you on that. So, you know, that's that part at, um, at the very end on page 164, exactly what you said. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. and. Um, so, you know, that's the whole thing is that I become then the fellowship of the spirit, because that's what the person is doing. They're, they're just helping me reconnect because I've just disconnected. And yeah, sometimes I do, um, you know, reach for my higher power. But the thing is, my higher power is not having a two-way conversation with me. and. While it says here, you know, your real reliance is always upon him. I still need that fellowship because that's where I hear that message of, of that connection and that actual instruction. My higher power definitely gives me ideas, you know, like that's that whole part, uh, you know, on a, on a awakening that uh, it talks about, you know, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for uh, right thought or action. And it also, you know, that whole thing also, we ask God for inspiration, intuitive thought or a decision. So there is that component, but it's kind of what, uh, you know, Emily was asking before about really, I need to talk to other people. Like, I, I'm not getting, God doesn't talk me off the ledge, I guess is the best way to say it. God doesn't talk me off the ledge the way somebody else, some, a person, a human being does when I'm spinning. When I'm spinning, I, I'm just there, me, myself, and I, you know, and um, that doesn't, that doesn't get the job done. I wish it did, but it doesn't. So I'm not sure I've addressed your question um, exactly, but it's really, that's the whole part is that I need that feedback, that feedback is different than into intuition, an intuitive thought or decision like that. They're, they're, kind, they're different and I need both, right? That's why it's telling us to do both on page 64. Your real reliance is upon him, but he will help you uh, 
find, create the fellowship you crave. I mean, that to me is kind of the answer right there. It's a two-pronged approach. I need both. Both of those is what, the fellowship is what leads me to doing God's will. My best ideas is what leads me to the food. Oh, thank you both so much. All right, Lisa C. Hi, everybody. My name is Lisa, and I am a compulsive overeater, stress eater, emotional eater, and um, sugar addict. Um, I got so much out of your talk. I, I was busy writing here. I was watching the time, busy writing all this stuff. And I think the first thing I, I really liked is when you talked about your red light foods when you're qualifying, how you said the list got longer as your fears diminished. And it's like, oh, yeah, because I've been as I'm walking this journey, I've been starting to say, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't be eating that food. And I think I'm, I'm releasing the fears and, 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 and they're diminishing and my red light foods are getting bigger. Um, and, and the way you address the, the BS abstinence, <laughs> I could see that popping up so easily. You know, that, that rationalizing, you know, I, I was, I went to the grocery store the other day and I had just eaten different dinner and I was buying, going to just buy some cucumbers and I go past the deli and they, they had this, this food there that I was like, oh, I want that. And it's like, I just ate dinner. Well, this is healthy. This is good. I just ate dinner. I'm not hungry. And, and I picked it up. I brought it back. And it's like I was trying to rationalize that rationalization that goes on in our head. And that's another reason why I need people in my life, why I need a sponsor that's going to call me on my my graph and say, Lisa, um, you know, I have choices. You know, I, I love that. You know, I have choices today. You know, before I was losing the choices, I, I had lost the choice. You know, I was to that point where it's like I couldn't say no and I had to have the food. Um, and today I have choices. I can choose to be in recovery or I can choose to be in my disease. Um, and, and I've never really thought, you know, I've been in another fellowship and I've not been around the big book for years. And I've never really thought of the vision for you as, as a fellowship. And, and when you're describing, it's like, oh, my gosh, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what they're talking about. And, you know, it also talks about in the big book, how you know, you, you, they're talking about sponsorship because when you sponsor, you build up that fellowship all around you. And it's, it's, it's an experience you don't want to miss. And that's that fellowship. You know, one day I was realizing um, I, I was having a breakfast because I was leave, I was moving and I had all these female there. And it's like, oh my gosh, I kept inviting people. And there's all these people there. And this is the fellowship that had grown up around me. That were the people, that was my people. And, um, it is really good. It is just, you know, it's when I realized it, it's like, oh my gosh, this, this, this program is just amazing. You know, um, the fellowship, I need to, yeah, I agree. I need the fellowship and I need my higher power. And thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, let's see, we will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. And so Liz, will you stop the recording?